This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Neighbourly, the leader in home services franchising. Neighbourly is the world's largest home services franchisor with 29 brands and nearly 5,000 franchises, collectively serving more than 10 million customers in nine countries. With opportunities focused on repairing, maintaining and enhancing homes and businesses. Visit franchise.neighbourlybrands.com to learn more about the group's franchise opportunities. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, where we'll be exploring several of the leading franchise industries and trends that you need to know about. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. And we were so tired and everybody was so new. And I was giving them professional baseball style programming, right? Like hard stuff. We were doing a plyometrics day where we would jump up and down basically the whole camp. And then we started doing sprints at the end. People had no legs left. Their legs were gone. And if you've ever seen what a baby giraffe looks like when it tries to run right after it's born, that was much what we looked like in the parking lot. And everybody's falling over, skinning their knees. And what Morgan and I saw was the people who didn't we're running back to grab those who did and pick them up and literally put them on their shoulders and, and carry them across the finish line. We looked at each other and said, hey, this is real. Like this is this is something beyond fitness. This is transcending just push-ups and squats and six packs. And so from there, the rest is history. Devon and Morgan Klein first conceptualized the idea of Burn Boot Camp back in a gym parking lot in 2012. In the 10 years since, the fitness-focused husband and wife duo have grown this inclusive franchise network to over 300 sites, with ambitious plans to hit 500 by the year 2023. But the fitness landscape certainly isn't the same today as it was decades ago. Neither is the franchising model approached in quite the same way. We wanted to sit down with Devon and Morgan to learn about their journey in growing Burn Bootcamp, the evolutions that they've experienced throughout their journey, and what they believe the future holds for class-based workout brands. This, it's just been an amazing ride for us to be able to start from the parking lot to where we're at now. So I'll catch everybody up to the parking lot days. Morgan and I met in Battle Creek, Michigan when we were 12. And the first time that we met, I saw her on the bus. And I had, remember I had a broken arm and I looked up at her and like, I remember in my head, I was like, that girl is beautiful. Like, will you be my girlfriend? And I asked her and she said, nope. Uh, I'm taken. And so that was that was kind of the first moment we ever met. And uh, from there, I, we kind of felt, well, let me let me be correct. I fell in love with her and I chased her around for a few years um, right. before in like junior high school, writing a letter that said, I will marry you. I don't think that you really like me right now, <laughs> but I will marry you in the future. Yeah, we still have the visual. Uh, obviously, we're destined for each other. And, you know, I went off and played baseball, uh, Central Michigan University. Morgan went to Western Michigan University. She studied food marketing. I studied fastballs and uh, I was trying to go to the big leagues. That was like my my plan A, only had a plan A, didn't have a plan B. Morgan had, you know, corporate ladder on her mind and she was going to follow in her grandfather's footsteps uh, in the Kellogg Corporation. Well, she moved down to Naples, Florida to get uh, for a job with Kellogg's and uh, I played a couple seasons of minor league baseball, had a cup of tea and then I got released. One of the hardest days of my life was getting released from from baseball. Uh, from the San Francisco Giants organization. And literally the only person I had to lean on in my life um, was Morgan. And, you know, my mother and my father were strange from each other and, you know, not really there for me emotionally to support me. And so she was like, hey, moving. 
I was like, this is the, I don't want to go backwards. I didn't want to go backwards in life. And she was like that encouragement, that rock to tell me to keep moving forward. And so I did. And a couple years later, after a couple odd end jobs, Morgan got the opportunity because she's a rock star to move to Charlotte, North Carolina for her Kellogg's job to be a senior sales analyst at like, what were you, babe? Like 22 years old, like you're 23 years old, something like that. And uh, I'm like, all right, sugar mama, here we go. I'm following you. At this point, I'm a a career trainer in my mind. Like I just wanted to do what I love to do. Audit jobs are like Best Buy and things like that. And they're just not for me. And so I became a trainer. I fell in love with it. She moved. I followed, but I didn't want to create, I don't want to follow somebody else's dream. We wanted to create our own dream. Sure. It's a long story d- down to how we got to the parking lot. Well, I was training a parking lot routine in Naples, Florida in November, 2011 called Lightning 900. Morgan was in Charlotte, North Carolina already working her sales associate job or sales analyst job. And that delta of time, um, I was I spent creating the burn bootcamp model and her and I were like pitching and catching back and forth on it. Like, what are you going to do when you move to to Charlotte. And so we, we landed on it. Finally, I moved to Charlotte, spent the first 60 days pounding the ground, not making a single dollar, knocking on every business's door while Morgan was supporting the family. And, uh, 60 days later, uh, we started the first burn boot camp with 600 bucks to our names. She was paying all the bills with her $60,000 salary. And, and, uh, I was draining that from, <laughs> I was the one, I was the one pulling it all away, uh, putting it into this business. So we had some, a little bit of discretionary cash to put into a business. And I'll never forget shortly thereafter. Um, I said, Hey, we're going to do 500 of these Morgan. And she's like, okay, whatever. We'll see. Let's just do a couple and see where we're at. And, uh, you know, the parking lot, the parking lot days, there's one day where we uh, came together on a Saturday. And then I'll let Morgan elaborate on this. There's one day we came together on a Saturday, a few months in after hustling, hitting the, hitting the, you know, guerrilla marketing really hard, knocking on every door. There was a, a moment when we had like 150 people outdoors in the North Carolina heat, uh, on a Saturday morning. And it was just magical. I had everyone lined up in a, like an assembly line almost. And they were running like suicide sprints. And we were so tired and everybody was so new. And I was giving them professional baseball style programming, right? Like hard stuff. We were doing mm. a plyometrics day where we would jump up and down basically the whole camp. And then we started doing sprints at the end. People had no legs left. Their legs were gone. And if you've ever seen what a baby giraffe looks like when it tries to run right after it's born, that was much what we looked like in the parking lot. <laughs> and everybody's falling over, skin in their knees. And what Morgan and I saw was... The people who didn't were running back to grab those who did and pick them up and literally put them on their shoulders and and carry them across the finish line. We looked at each other and said, Hey, this is real. Like this is, this is something beyond fitness. This is transcending just push-ups and squats and six packs. And so from there, the rest is history. Yeah, no, it certainly sounds like, you know, from very humble origins, you guys have managed to grow this um, really successful fitness franchising business. And this year in particular, this April, I know you're celebrating um, Burn Bootcamp's 10-year anniversary. Um, Morgan, how would you say that Burn Bootcamp has evolved in those years since you first started in the the, uh, parking lot? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. We we certainly aren't in a parking lot anymore, (laughs) but we still are in many, many ways, right? And so, you know, the brand has evolved, but it's also stayed very true to those parking lot days and really what it was all about. And, you know, kind of adding on to Devin's story, you know, why were we in a parking lot? Well, at 23, 24 years old with, you know, one income and no business concept and not a lot of money in the bank, 
there wasn't a bank or a landlord that would even look at Devin and I, right? Or take a phone call from Devin and I. So we became really resourceful, right? And we started in the parking lot, right? We were playing music out of Devin's car. We were spending those $600 on weights. We were offering 30 to 45 days of free uh, workouts just to prove to people what we knew we could do. And so um, it came down to building a community, right? Building a community. And that's really the core of what Burn Boot Camp is, is uh, building a community and building confidence within people that transcends fitness. So how has the brand evolved? We've certainly looked at ways of how we can meet our members where they're at and um, offer them more services and more value in their life to help them build that confidence and to help them reach their goals. But at the core of who we are, you know, we haven't changed really. It's a, it's a kick butt workout. You know, it's bringing women together and men, but mostly women together to say, hey, let's do this together. Let's empower one another. Let me instill this confidence in you through fitness that is going to transcend out where, you know, you can be a better mom, a better wife, a better friend, you know, a better employee at your job, a better leader at your job. Um, And what has evolved, you know, I'd say we've just added more services. So we've got a supplement line that we've added along the way. We've got a retail line that we've added along the way. You know, we we aren't really ones to leverage technology in the way that we've, you know, held on to this whole concept of we need screens in our in our gyms and we need mirrors in our gyms and we need um, technology to track every single thing we do. We've actually kind of taken a different approach and, you know, leverage technology to help our members. But um, the brand of Alma is really about what more can we offer our, our members to help them get to the place that they want to be. So they're proud of who they are and they're excited about their future um, through what they're doing, you know, in that 45 minutes each day. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to, um, we'll come to the kind of fitness side of the the brand in just a moment, but I wanted to just dive into your guys's quite unique position, especially in terms of the guests that we've had on the podcast, where you are a husband and wife duo who has created and grown this brand together. Um, would you say that that situation has any kind of specific maybe challenges or perhaps benefits compared to other franchise founders and people at the executive level? Uh, Morgan, if you wanted to start on that one. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is a question I know that Devin and I get asked a lot, especially (laughs) from our franchise partners, because we do have a lot of husband-wife duos in our system. And so I know one of the first questions we get asked is like, hey, tell us everything. What do we need to know? What do we need to avoid? Um, And I think Devin and I didn't really have any mentors in that space of like a husband and wife that that have successfully built their own business and then obviously a franchise. So Devin and I learned a lot through trial and error, you know, a lot of... uh, times where communication was lacking and it was frustrating for us as a husband and wife and also as a CEO and COO. And so uh, we've really worked hard to increase our communication um, as a couple. And I think that's one of the biggest things, right? I can give a lot of advice for people that are husband and wife wanting to do business together. But for me, it boils down to communication And it boils down to trusting one another in each other's lanes, right? And so you shouldn't be trying to constantly cross over on what each other's doing. Um, Really find what each other's good at. And thankfully for Devin and I, we're complete opposites. So what he's really good at is not necessarily my strength and vice versa. Uh, But in the beginning, we didn't really define that, right? We were both trying to do the same things and, and everything. And we had poor communication style. So that would be probably the biggest thing that we've worked on and grown as as a duo uh, is our communication style and making sure that, you know, we show up 
for each hat that we're wearing, we show up in that way to best support one another. I was gonna, I was going to elaborate on. That. I think everything has uh, an a, a pro and a con to it, right? And I think for all of the communication and expectation work that we've done as a husband and wife, I think the that's very it's a hard climb. Like it always hasn't been as good as it is now, and it's been difficult, like Morgan said. But the pro to that, then that becomes if you can master that as a husband and wife, and you can hold on to the equity of the brand, and you can hold on to the assets of the brand, and keep it inside of the family. Well, then now that's your biggest advantage right and it's a long way to get there but now we're 34 and it's our biggest advantage to have a family-owned company especially during a time like a pandemic when we have really critical decisions to make especially from a gym brick and mortar standpoint which was like from our perspective like the armpit of the pandemic right is like the worst of the worst like us and bars were like the two worst organizations or industries rather that um were negatively or adversely affected by all of the lockdowns and mandates and so during that time, we got the opportunity because we don't have lending partners who are saying, hey, where's your returns? Quarter, you know, where, what new services and products are we going to come up with in the short term to correct this you know, short term uh, revenue degeneration from the results of the pandemic? So I'm like, OK, well, we can play we can play the long game when everyone else is playing the short game during a dire time like that. And what ended what ends up happening is some of the decisions that we were able to make created such goodwill in, in the communities that we're a part of, such faith in the communities that we're a part of. Like Morgan said earlier, we met our members exactly where they were at. And because we're a family and because we experience how the, the pandemic affected families with three children and two dogs, right? It's like, okay, now we can make decisions through that lens because this is ours. It does actually really truly start and stop with us. Um, and there's no there's no politics. There's no bureaucracy. There's there's none of that. It's it's franchise partner focused first mentality through and through. And uh, to me, that's a huge advantage in the marketplace, especially now when all of our competitors essentially, um, it's a generic dangerous statement, but most of them are technology driven. They're a technology company first and a fitness company second. We we really believe that it's that juxtaposition of staying present, staying in the moment, not putting digital mirrors on the screens. Uh, d digital mirrors and screens in the gym is very important. Yeah, no, it certainly sounds like it's been a very beneficial um, experience for the both of you. Um, we kind of spoke a little about evolution in the sense of evolution of the Burn Bootcamp brand, but I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on what you think some of the main evolutions have been in the in the fitness space or in the fitness franchising space um, that have either you know impacted Burn Bootcamp or perhaps, as you say, certain things that you've decided maybe aren't suitable for your kind of operation. Yeah, I can start there. You know, I think during the pandemic, we've seen that gyms, if they didn't have the ability to pivot and go somewhat virtual, then, you know, they didn't have a business. They didn't have a way to to continue to keep their member retention and, and collect membership dues, right? So that's something that we were able to do pretty much overnight. Um, and we haven't stopped doing that. However, that's not our main focus. We still believe in the human connection and people wanting to actually physically be in gyms. And I think there's been a heavy emphasis on the digital space, right, where everyone's at home, everyone needs to work out at home. And Devin and I largely believe that that's important to have as a complement to your brand, but it's not the main way uh, that you're going to survive. And so uh, we're really proud that we didn't put all of our eggs in that basket during the pandemic and we stayed true to who we are and that's building a community. And yes, you can build community online and we'll, we still aim to do that. 
Uh, but if you don't have a, a version of both, I, I think you're putting yourself in a in a bad position. Absolutely. And uh, Devin, have you got any other further thoughts on that kind of evolution of the industry? Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be standard um, that you have a hybrid approach. If you want to exist in a, a climate where there's volatility, if you want to exist and be a great, enduring, amazing company that stands for something, well, then you need to endure the times. And to endure the times, you need to be flexible and not be rigid and fall in love with your members or your clients or your customers and not fall in love with your business or your products or your services. And again, going back to the previous question, that's why I think it's our ultimate advantage to stay company owned, stay family owned rather. But you know, when you when you take a when you take a hybrid approach, my prediction although it's dangerous to give predictions in, in podcasts like this, but my prediction is that you are vulnerable just as brick and mortar was vulnerable with most companies having just physical uh, availability. I think you're just as vulnerable, if not more vulnerable digitally. And I think that over the next five years, what you're going to see is digital fitness content become a commodity and an expectation of the marketplace and it's going to be devalued largely over time and just become become an expectation of of people's experience with a brand it's not like nba nfl it's not the big five sports teams you, like pr- thinking that we can protect this content you know and and charge premiums for it in the long run to me is short-sighted and i heard a podcast with uh, the ceo of peloton at the time saying that the pandemic was going to fundamentally shift human human behavior forever and they were eyes on 100 million subscribers and people were not going to go to the gym anymore after the pandemic as soon as i heard that i was on a run i thought it was the most ridiculous notion that i've ever heard and you're basically saying that because of the last 18 months at the time you're going to um trump the the tens of thousands of years of human tribalism and an evolution built into our central nervous system into our dna I mean, you can see some of the statistics that happen when human health is um, and how it's negatively impacted by isolation, right? Like think about prisoners for an example. It's an interesting metaphor, but the worst thing you can do to a prisoner or, you know, somebody who has violated ethical and moral moral, uh, statue, they isolate them in a box. They put them by themselves as the worst form of punishment. And so to me, it was just a ridiculous notion to say that uh, this is going to be a lasting effect. I think it sped up the adoption of digital media in our space by five years. But we had already built a studio. We had we had built a quarter million dollar studio, 5,000 square foot, meant for broadcasting, meant for live streaming, meant for podcasting. That air is here. It's not going anywhere. But to me, it's lower on the sales ladder than what a in-gym membership would be and will continue to become more diluted. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, in the sense of behavior, you know, we're, we're not quite out the other side of the pandemic, I feel at the moment, but you are already seeing people go back to their, you know, pre-pandemic kind of behaviors and hobbies and all those kinds of things. So it makes a lot of sense that, as you say, you'd need that digital offering, but that's no replacement for the the in-person workout experience. Um, Morgan, uh, something that Devon kind of touched on at the beginning of the episode that I wanted to get some more um, insight into is your current um, ambitious goals to hit 500 locations open or in development by by 2023. Um, how do you plan on achieving that considerable figure? Yeah, uh, 
very doable figure for sure for us. I mean, we're we're well on our way to to hitting that in 2023. And, you know, for us, the strategy is to do it through our current members and through our current franchise partners. You know, we care so much about building opportunities for for the people that already love our brand. You know, we see about 90% of our current franchise partners that become I'm sorry, 90% of our franchise partners started as a member, right? Started in the brand in some way and it touched them in a way that they now want to, you know, go produce that in another community. And we see the most success out of our franchise partners when they have that investment in the brand. So, you know, we're not looking to just bring anyone into this brand. We're working we're looking to work through our members and our franchise partners to give them more opportunities to get to that number of 500 because that is that family-like brand that Devin and I want to want to remain um, that feel, right? They care. They bleed blue, as we call it. They they want to see, you know, they want to see the transformations of people and community as much as they want to make money. So, you know, not a huge, crazy, off-the-wall strategy other than we are planning to just remain true to who we are and bring the people in that have already had uh, uh, interaction and positive interaction with this brand. Yeah, no, that sounds great. And I mean, what a, what an endorsement, you know, that you've got the 90%, as you say, of your franchisees were initially members, you know, that kind of really drives home that you must be doing something right if they want to then financially invest in the brand. Um, Devon, uh, kind of on the um, kind of the more operational side, or I suppose the more um, customer experience side, I, I know that you guys have designed Burn Bootcamp so that it's suitable for all levels of fitness, um, which is a positioning that we've seen a lot of fitness providers pivot to as of late, even if perhaps originally it wasn't their kind of um, idea to set out on that path. Um, do you think that inclusivity in this sense is one of the the main drivers for your your franchisees when they're looking for the kinds of brands that they'd like to invest in? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I do think that it ties in back to that 500 number. I mean, I remember Morgan, myself, and one of our franchise partners, Holly Boot at the time, Strickland now, uh, she's very successful down in Naples, Florida. Shout out to Holly. Well, we were sitting around a dinner table in Naples, Florida before we were even, or just barely after we were legal uh, to award franchises in America, we said, we're going, we're going to 500. And they both looked at me like I was crazy. So like the fact that Morgan's telling you that we have we have it in the pipeline. Like it's not it's not maybe going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. And so as your as you as you reach ambitious goals or as you approach them, what happens is that the uh, the goals get bigger, right? You create that ex, you create that gap that you know we're at this mountain peak of franchising right now, but this is not even close to where we're going and where we want to set our sights. And her and I got on a stage at Summit 2021, Morg, where we had with like 700 people, right? You know, when we thought the pandemic was over for that little period of like four months and we said, we're going to 10,000 locations and that, and, and I want people to understand how you have to give yourself space to let those ambitions grow and, and, and not be necessarily embarrassed or ashamed or fear judgment. When you put a stake in the ground, you say, Hey, we're going to 10,000 locations. Well, how, exactly what you just said to stay true and authentic to our community to be inclusive to all fitness levels to stay true to our franchise partners and always put them first some fps asked us we call them franchise partners fps so they asked us well how the heck are you going to get that's a pretty ambitious goal devin and morgan how the heck are you going to do that and the answer is we don't know but we know it's through you and we know that it's been done before by a company maybe like crossfit who had fourteen thousand, or is probably the best example culturally but 
anyhow, that it, those two goals are one and the same. Like you can't have this ambitious goal without having a, a unique uh, hook to hang your hat on for us. That is come as you are. Listen, the encouragement, the positivity, the lack thereof that you've got from everyone you received from everyone else in your life, not here, not in these four walls. You're treated like a queen. You're treated like a king when you step in here. Our mentality is that we don't sell fitness, but we sell confidence. And that's why we can look through that lens of inclusivity from not only a race, sex, gender perspective, but also from a fitness perspective, right? And being real and using real, we don't reuse any models in our marketing. We use real people who are really going on the journey, who are really a part of our family, who really feel this in their heart. And I think that is the driving force to that goal, to that 10, you know, it's, it's going to be like more said through members, through our franchise partners and, and through education. Cause we have to train thousands of trainers to train without screens, which is a difficult choice. Why do companies go that route? Cause it's scalable. You, you can scale it, but you take the, you pull, you siphon the creativity out of the organization. When I heard that Starbucks had 90,000 different drinks, I'm like, okay, they're letting the soul of their brand come up from within, inside out, and permeate in the marketplace so that they can, they're a huge company, but that allows them to remain authentic to who they are. And so that's a short answer to why I believe that those two things, that big macro goal of getting to the moon, you know, 10,000 locations covering every community on planet Earth with a, a burn boot camp that will have us with that inclusivity for all fitness levels and showing people how strong they really are, making them prove that to themselves. And then after physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial comes next and they want burn to be a bigger part of their lives. Yeah, well, that quite nicely comes on to the um, the kind of uh, next question I had for you, Morgan, which is talking about the holistic way in which you work with your clients. Because I know that as well as those physical workouts, Burn offers its clients um, nutritional advice and other services along those lines. And um, what was the rationale? And I think Devon's kind of touched upon it there. But what was the rationale behind providing a more well-rounded approach to fitness rather than just the the boot camp physical you know workout classes? You know, honestly, a lot, Devin should really touch on this too, because a lot of it was driven in the early days when he, you know, was providing the workout, but people needed more, right? There were still areas in their life that they weren't, you know, reaching their goals, right? Maybe they had a great workout, but their nutrition is completely off and they just don't have the tools. So we started focus meetings um, very, very early on in the brand where that was an opportunity for Devin, you know, and the trainer to sit down with our members to say, okay, what are your goals? But I think that's turned into more of a opportunity for our, our trainers to just learn and build rapport with each member, right? So we are we are definitely a group fitness, but it is still one-on-one -on -one personal training, right? Just like you would hire a, a trainer one-on-one, -on -one, you're going to still get that same connection when you're a member at Burn Boot Camp. And that's largely through focus meetings as well. And so this is an opportunity for the member to talk about nutrition goals, talk about, you know, what they struggle with, um, get some tips and tricks and understand really what is clean eating and how many calories should I be eating? You know, it's always recommendations to help them reach their goals. But being healthy is so much more than just a workout. You know, being healthy is that mindset. It's that emotional health, that that physical health, you know, um, that Devin just talked about, that mental health. And while we're not the experts in all of it, we want to support that member 
in all of those things. And, and one way to do that is just to not only focus on the weight loss and the fat loss and all of the things that most fitness companies focus on. What are the other transformations that are happening inside of your gym that really don't have anything to do with the way somebody looks, but how are they feeling? And how has that, how has that feeling increased over time? And how can you continue to support, you know, those areas in their life that they need it? Because most of the time, you know, I can take a, a, a woman, a woman, for example, who just had a baby, right? Maybe postpartum 12 weeks and they are struggling in a lot of ways. And Burn Boot Camp can be that community for them, not just for them to have 45 minutes to themselves, but to be surrounded by other women that are supporting them, lifting them up, to be surrounded by a trainer who's willing to pull them aside and say, hey, how are you doing? How can I help you? You know, people don't get get that question asked to them often. How are you doing? And so that's something that, you know, we focus on as the member experience at Burn Boot Camp is don't make it just about the workout, make it about the individual, meet them where they are and support them holistically around that. First of all, don't let Morgan fool you either because she's also a trainer. She's done 10,000 burn boot camps uh, in her career. And so uh, we were, we, uh, when we first started, we had Huntersville, North Carolina and Cornelius, North Carolina. And we were like, okay, well, I started it, right? And I started like the creation of the program. And then Morgan got her CPT. She was always a connoisseur and then got her CPT, uh, found out that she was passion, passionate about it. We quit, we got, we got engaged. She quit Kellogg's. She ran Cornelius and I ran Huntersville. So she has four years of, Maybe, yeah, four years, right, Mark, of experience underneath your belt, full time training. And before she was got the before she got the opportunity to do that, I was back in the parking lot days when she was at Kellogg's in her nine to five. I was sitting down with members and listen, I was a baseball player. Like I didn't come from a family where I had anybody to look up to in terms of a role model or a mentor. Um, and if I did, I would have been looking up to the wrong things, the wrong pathway in life. And so I had to sit down with these, and I'm a kid at this point who knows nothing besides baseball. I sit down with these these grownups, right, who have three children, who have a career, who have marital problems, and I'm getting just pelted with things that I don't have any idea how to help them solve. And for me, that was so hard because I want nothing more than to help people overcome themselves and take responsibility for their lives. And because when they do that, you know, they help their family as a byproduct and they help their community at large as a byproduct of helping themselves and getting it right internally. And so how focus meetings evolved is I would sit down with, uh, and I would do these maybe 10 times a day. I would sit down with somebody, have no idea how to help them, not pretend like I knew the answer. Say, listen, Julie, thank you for telling me this. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm going to go do everything that I can to help you do all my research and I'm going to come back. Let's have a meeting next week and we're going to discuss and solve the problem. So we did. And through thousands of meetings of Morgan and I doing this over and over and over and over with different people, you find out that there's only so many personality archetypes. You find out that there's only so many problems. You only find out that, you know, there's a concentration of the top five things that most people deal with that if we could create a sandbox, if you will, and then teach and then put tools in that sandbox to teach other trainers how to overcome some of these mentally emotional struggles. Like what we're really talking about is psychology. We're not talking about fitness. This isn't a this isn't a physical game. People say I don't have abs. Yes, you do. I I know you have abs because you're standing straight up. Like you know, oh, I fell off the wagon. 
Oh, show me the bruises. Like, show me all the bumps and all the scars from you falling off the wagon. It's a language problem. It's a psychology problem. It's a confidence problem. It was not a fitness problem. So if, I, if, we, if Morgan and I could get people to think that they are fitness people and not say, oh, I'm not a fitness person. Oh, I don't, I don't do that. My family doesn't do that. Like, I wasn't built that way. I wasn't born that way. You know, I don't have X, Y, or Z resources to be able to do it. Like, we're in a parking lot. Push-ups go like that's free, you know, in a sense. So it's not free to hire us necessarily, but it's, but it's free to, you know, do the act of a push-up. So people aren't confused about fitness. They're not confused about nutrition. They're fearful of who they have to become in order to become the person, absorb the characteristics that help them become somebody who is a fitness enthusiast, a nutrition connoisseur, because that's what they really want. They're just scared of who they have to become from a from a psych- psychological standpoint, from a personality standpoint, in order to actually exude those behaviors. It's not the other way around. People know that cupcakes are bad for you, and things that are green that taste bad are good for you. <laughs> we know that. We know that sitting on the couch playing video games and eating Cheetos and drinking Mountain Dew is bad for you. We know <laughs> that going to the gym is good for you. Nobody argues that. So this was about the psychology of our members, and since then. Man, I've just become, and Morgan as well, a student of especially personality psychology and really diving deep into that as a, as a, as an everyday practice for me to help people continue to overcome themselves. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think you guys are going to have to go into motivational speakings. I feel like I want to run out into the car park now and uh, start doing some push-ups. Um, my, my final question for the both of you is just kind of wrapping up all the things we've spoken about today. Um, what do you think will be some of the main trends dictating fitness franchising as we move through 2022 this year and hopefully overcome some of the, the challenges and the roadblocks which came about with the pandemic? Um, Morgan, if you start us on that one. That's a good question. You know, I think, you know, for us, especially we're still in a rebuild phase for, you know, a portion of our gyms. Right. And so for us, it's getting back down to the basics of of building some of these communities up and not not trying to do all these new things all the time. And I think if you get distracted as a franchisor to think that you've got to, you know, add these new shiny bells and whistles, um, you're probably not focused on the right things. And so for us, uh, we will be, you know, focusing on the basics. And I think we've talked largely about what those basics are for Burn Boot Camp. But outside of, you know, meeting members where they're at, whether that's digital or in gym, I I don't I don't see any other trends that are gonna completely move the needle in twenty twenty two. And uh Devin, do you have any closing thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think, you know, we don't want to be part of the trend. You know, we can jump on TikTok, that's great, and we will because we're a marketing company as well. We have Burn Media in-house, who is our media, uh, digital media agency. We're marketing's in our blood. That's how you go. That's how you go from a parking lot with six hundred dollars in rusty old equipment from Dick Sporting Goods to, you know, uh, chasing down a two hundred million dollars system-wide revenue goal this year, and in just what seven years. And so, I think I think more so than what what's coming and what's trending, we look at what's here and what's never going away. And to us, it's that human connection. So the innovation from here lies largely in our ability to connect our members, connect our franchise partners and connect our, our people to each other, our locations to their locations, using technology to empower that as we go forward, not to replace trainers on a screen because it may be really hard to scale that creativity. And so 
we're going to continue to triple down on what makes us us, community, a 360 holistic ecosystem from a fitness and nutrition standpoint, layering in psychology where we know how, and using using any trend, yes, for sure, as a, as a top of the funnel brand awareness, lead generation, you know, marketing deployment or strategy or tactic, but it's but trends aren't a fundamental pillar to the organization. We're really a traditionalist company in the sense that we really believe in sim- the simplicity of human connection. And we believe that fitness is just the vehicle that brings us all together, that does what so many people try so hard to do is to create a mind-body connection. When you work your butt off at a burn boot camp or any other intense workout, you don't need to worry about the mind-body connection. It's happening in the moment. Your, your, your psychology is connected, directly correlated to your physiology. And when you ramp up your physiology, that's the number one way to change your mentality. So that's the fundamental ideology of Burn Bootcamp. And then you layer in getting a bunch of like-minded people who all want that, but have never been able to really find the way to language that to themselves. And then you get the Burn Bootcamp cult, which is root word of culture right? Which is what we are. Not cult in the negative sense, obviously. If you were to Google that, it's, it's got a negative sense to it. <laughs> but it's the root word of culture. It means we're all believe in the same mission. We all have the same core values. And we all use those same core values to guide our decision making, how we say yes to things, how we say no to things on the way to reaching that goal, that, that macro goal of igniting that global, as we talked about, um, health transformation. And to me, that has very, very, very little to do with push-ups. Yeah, well, I think that's a, a really nice holistic note to end us on that wraps up kind of everything that we've been speaking about in this episode. So um, thank you, Morgan and Devon, again, for joining us for the Global Franchise Podcast and looking forward to seeing what's next from you guys as we move forward in 2022. Well, keep up what you're doing. We love listening. I think if one word sums up our conversation with Devon and Morgan Klein, it would be community. The duo have put a lot of time and energy into building the Burn Bootcamp community up from their humble parking lot origins, and even though they've endeavoured to evolve with the times, technological innovations and developments haven't swayed them from their original true path. It was also very interesting to hear about the pair's thoughts on hybrid fitness. We're seeing some fitness franchises shift towards more at-home workouts, but for Devon and Morgan, the need for that human connection can never be underrated. It's probably this interpersonal focus that has allowed the brand to continue its growth trajectory on the way to its eventual goal of 10,000 locations worldwide. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. How much do you prioritise a sense of community within your franchise? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.